Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw. First and down. Leaps his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has got three fingers. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Good Monday morning. This is Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. It is episode 7 of our podcast, still in our infancy as we get rolling. How are you feeling after, you know, six, seven episodes? It's a struggle of a weekend for me. <laughs> yeah? The Miami debacle. Yeah. Um, a little cold going around the house. Uh-oh. But generally speaking, with the pod and everything, loving life. Nice, yeah. nice. I think we're having a good time. I have to bring in our boy Debo, Eric, our producer, real yeah. quick off the top, because I have a question. I can't – I would ask you, but you don't know this. Okay. So I know Eric follows me on Twitter. You're not on Twitter, no. so you can't answer this question. But I'm I'm fully aware that I have strong opinions on there. I go back at people. Yeah. Some people say I can be a little annoying on right. Twitter. So <laughs> just to be honest with you, from a young person's perspective, you see everything I tweet out there. Yeah. I think there are two people. I think there's real life Danny, and then there's Twitter Danny. Correct. Is Twitter Danny a jerk? Well, in your bio, you say I'm not as annoying in person. <laughs> right? yeah, yes, that is true. Yeah. That's as clean as I could put it too. Cause I think there's other words and I've been accused of other words on Do you Twitter just like, too. are you like a troll on no, Twitter? See, are you doing it for think, effect or do you just? No, I think I'm much more abrasive and like I like to go at it with people. Like right. I think, it, to me, I see it as like one big locker room. Okay. And you know how it is in a locker room when you're just talking trash yeah. and you go at people, but sometimes that can easily get lost in translation when you can see a smile on my face if I'm coming at you or we're, yes. you know, ripping on each other for clothes. And then you throw in the, the flames and, uh, you know, flames combustion of college football fans and then they don't think it's so funny when you're coming at their team yeah what's your take on it bro because i don't watch it so what's your take you're opinionated but you're not like we said last week dustin from tennessee who's going at you in the dms and like cursing at you (laughs) you're not abrasive about it you're just opinionated right but it can it can be a little bit i don't know if i was an alabama fan i don't know if i would (laughs) feel differently i can tell you for the majority of alabama fans they hate me so if we go on the road with this show anywhere in sec country (laughs) i'm requesting a security detail correct yes yeah we probably would need some extra security (laughs) although but what's funny is that a lot of people once they heard me on the radio show and even now with the podcast they're like and I'm not trying to stroke myself or anything, but they're saying, oh, I like you better when you talk right. than when you're on Twitter. Because so th- there is, like, I think I have fun with this. And I love, I love talking college football. You like and, the banter. You like the back yeah, and forth. You yeah, like the, for yeah, sure. I, I hear you. I want to make sure everybody knows it's in good fun. Like, sure. there's never, I don't, I don't want anybody to get screwed. I don't want Alabama to get screwed. I don't root for them to lose. I truly want what's best for college football. Yeah. I think this would help people to know. Do you believe everything you post on Twitter? I do. I really do. I will never say – like that's what I get accused of being Skip Bayless, and I can't – like that one makes me really irritated – because I think there are some arguments that are generated for just for debate. So, right. I, you know, before the show, we would come in and say, Raja, you say that Alabama should be in, and I'll say no. That's no. not what you're getting here. No, absolutely. No, right. no. And that's what – when people accuse me of making up opinions, that drives me insane. Because I – like the college football stuff I'm really passionate about too. And we're going we're gonna to get to that right now. We're going to get to a bunch of stuff too in the NFL. Uh, Tiger Woods, pretty hey. good first weekend. We're going to recap his. Hey. we got some hot stove – uh, baseball with Rajah Bell discussion <laughs> coming up a little bit later, but it was all about college football yesterday. Even with the NFL slate, it was about who the committee was going to select. We saw the conference championships play out. We saw Ohio State get the win that they needed against Wisconsin. Apparently not, though, because they didn't get the style points they needed. We saw your boys uh, struggle, to say the least. Yeah. The Hurricanes struggling against Clemson, clearly in over their head. Any thoughts on that game quickly? Just not ready for that game yet. <laughs> yeah, not right, just yeah. all around. And they were banged the up. To yeah. be fair, they were banged up. Wouldn't have mattered This if they was weren't. a bonus year for the Hurricanes. It I was agree. a bonus year. Like, House they money. weren't supposed to be this good. Now they've got that experience. They played on that big stage in yep. the championship. Now they don't have that hanging over their head. Hey, they haven't even played for it yet. Um, we saw the SEC play out where Georgia got revenge against Auburn. I didn't see that one happening, but I, sh- I should not have realize I should have taken into consideration more of how much how banged up Auburn was. Right. They were banged up because they had to beat Alabama, they had to beat Georgia in the last few weeks of the season. They were banged up and I thought they looked just tired and worn out. Um you had Oklahoma blew out TCU capped an incredible season. So then you had the committee. One, number one Clemson, no arguments. 
Number two, Oklahoma. No arguments. Number three, Georgia. SEC champ, only one loss. They avenge their loss. No arguments. The fourth spot, this by far is the most controversial spot that's been given in the playoffs so far. It was given to Alabama. Finished season 11-1. One loss was on the road to Auburn, but did not even play in the SEC championship. Ohio State fans are livid. They're saying, what about us? We won the Big Ten. What was your take on it? I had no beef with that. None? None whatsoever. Uh, and I, I like to get into some stuff, too. Like, I'd love to debate this, but Alabama um, – in a loaded SEC, as usual, not making the championship game was not that big of a deal for me. Ohio State, the two losses. Like, Oklahoma, I can forgive you that. Getting rolled by Iowa. Um, and just the way they've looked, the eyeball test, they've been up and down. It wasn't like they went in there and creamed Wisconsin and just put all doubts to bed with that type of win, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had no beef. When you're talking about putting the top four teams – um, in college football, in a, in a position to win a championship, I believe that Alabama is one of the top four teams, which is a majority opinion. A lot, of, obviously, the committee felt that way because they said there. If if you have a conference champ as Ohio State was, and you have Alabama who was not, you have to believe they were unequivocally better. That was my problem with it. I think Alabama's probably better. This is the irony in all this, and yeah. Bama fans hate me because I, I, I have more of a problem with the system. Like no matter who got in. I was ready to plead my case because right. I want to capitalize on chaos. I think the way we determine our national champion is the worst in all of sports. Like it's a, it's not, it's not a playoff. They call it the college football playoff. I might, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about refusing to call it that. I'm calling it an <laughs> invitational from now on. It's the college football invitational because it's not a true playoff. I don't like a system where you're the, you're the fourth best team according to their polls you're the fourth one the last spot in there and yet you got a bye Alabama got to sit at home right and watch as Georgia banged heads with Auburn as Ohio State banged heads with Wisconsin meanwhile Alabama's kicking back getting healthy getting essentially a bye into the playoff I don't like a system where USC who I think could play with anybody in the top four would they win I don't know I don't like when they're not even considered yeah having been a two-loss champion of the Pac-12. Well, that's where it got dicey for me, right? Because if you if you decide to go with Ohio State, then why aren't you going with USC? Right. Like why, why wouldn't you? Right. Go and with they USC? didn't even get the they didn't even get the discussion. So what knocked them is they said the Pac-12 was down. Where are their signature wins? Although they had their strength of schedule as a whole was tougher than Ohio State right. or Bama. They had more wins over top 40 teams than Ohio State or Bama, and yet they weren't even considered. Now you can say, well, what does top 40 matter? I think in today's college football, there's not that much difference between 10 to 40. Like, there really are. There are a bunch of okay teams. There are no great teams. You saw it all year long. You had two and three lost teams in the top 25. Like, it was a fluid situation all year long in college football. I I tend to agree. Like, I, I, you could go, you could go top eight. You could even go top 10 and give the top two teams a bye. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, there are any number of ways you can do it. But what I really do believe is having watched, like, to your point, Auburn, who was banged up, Miami, who was banged up. Like, when you're doing these conference championship games, give the kids a week rest. Mm-hmm. Give them a whole week. Let the coaches prepare. I mean, it was a huge – We people were scrambling out of basketball gyms this weekend to get home to see this weekend of football. Yeah. And by and large, it was disappointing. Like, yeah. I didn't love it. I thought the right. best game was the UCF – Memphis game. Like that was exciting. <laughs> right. But you, you know, you want your best product out there. You don't want to roll these kids off of 12 game seasons. Yep. Give them no damn rest and play them, you know, on, on a regular weekend. Give them an extra week. Let's see the best that each conference has to offer in the conference championship game. Here's my solution. And it's, it's a popular solution. People have, have said this. I've said it since the thing was started. I, I, I think the system we have now is better than the BCS. I didn't like only two teams playing for it. I thought right. that was ridiculous. There's way more teams that could compete for a national championship. I think four is better. But I think what I want to do is take it out of a committee's hands who sit there and basically say this is a beauty contest. Let's pick the four teams we think are the prettiest and go to playing it out in the field. So you've got five power five conferences. Somebody gets screwed every year. That's messed up. This time it was two conference champions got screwed. Go to the five conference champions. They get automatic bids. They're in and then have three wild cards. The committee can still do this thing, which may make, makes them feel important, and they can have an impact on college football. They select the three teams. Then you could have Bama gets another chance because they're a really right. good team. Then you could have UCF, who ran the tables, an undefeated group of five. They get a chance to play for it. Then you could have a Penn State or uh, you know, yeah, any yeah, other yeah. team that's out there that's not a conference champion that is deserving and probably could compete with all these teams. I don't know why – it doesn't get more consideration. I do because the powers that be, they're stubborn. They like the control. I can't stand. I hate the fact 
that people say, oh, the debate, the controversy, it's good for college football. Yes, it's good for us. We get to talk about it and it creates discussion. But how, do, how does Ohio State feel right yeah, now? It's not good for Ohio State. How USC? did Penn State feel last year when they got left out? Because I right. thought they got screwed. How does it feel for USC as they're sitting at home watching, getting ready to play? It yep. sucks for them. Yeah, it's great for us, but it sucks for the players. I want to get it to as much as we can to a real playoff because it's not now. It's an invite. It's an invite-only tournament. Yeah, for, that's tough, man. Like basketball, 60-some teams get a chance to like – to, Which is too to, many. It, it is it's too many. But I mean, it's a, you can't even argue with the like weekend. The problem with football is you couldn't do it in the amount of time that basketball does it in. Like basketball rolls it out and they get it over with quick football. You would need the rest. So there have to be less teams. But the point is there can't only be four group of young men that work all year long to chase this dream that, that actually get an opportunity to play in it. And for the most part, it's subjective. Like, Absolutely. That, it, it all that's is too much. That's, that's, that's the problem. So eight is the perfect number. I wouldn't want any more. And to your point, I think there's plenty of time where you could space them out because I get it. I've talked to Urban Meyer. I've talked to da- like other coaches, Nick Saban, to coaches that have been there and run that gauntlet. When you get to 14, 15 games, it is a grind. There is plenty of time to space it out. You could give them a week before the conference champions. Right. You could give them more time. They have three weeks off now before they play. There's plenty of room for another game to give them time off in between there and still play one more game. Plus, I think you could eliminate a regular season game. Yeah. Like, why schedule these cupcakes? Let me give you the three lies, the biggest lies that the committee in, in college football is going to tell you. One, the regular season matters. It doesn't. And, and the proponents of four will say, oh, if you expand, it'll kill the regular season. It's not true. It would still be more compelling if you had more teams late in the season making a case for those, those three wild card spots. It would be more compelling. The regular season obviously doesn't matter because Alabama just played. They lost. That, that loss doesn't matter. It's not right. significant. The conference championship matters. That's a lie. It doesn't matter. You got to get two teams that are sitting on the outside and strength of schedule matters. It's a lie. It doesn't. If you are a team that the committee likes, if you run the table, if you're undefeated as Wisconsin was close to doing, they had a weak schedule. They would have been in if they run the schedule. Right. I, I don't, there's, there are too many problems with the system we have. That's my beef for today. Sorry. Sorry <laughs> if I went off mad, on too son. much of a rant. Now, did mad. I sound like a jerk through all this conversation? No, no this is I good sound passionate. Like I love college football. Yeah. I'm passionate about it. I think there are some serious flaws in the system. Bama fans still hate me, though. No doubt about it. All right, let's get to some uh, NFL discussion. And as we do every single Monday, it's time for what we learn. We've got a lot to cover, and time is short. All right, let's get to it. Our boy Case Keenum continues to roll. Now, the question is, as he had an under, another pretty really solid game, 25-30, 227 yards, two touchdowns, 13 for 13 in the second half. That's not a misprint. He was legitimately 13 of 13. I'm starting to wonder, because before it was a cool story, right? He's, he's He comes off the bench, career yeah. backup. Now you're starting to want to look at him and say, is this the next Kurt Warner? Yeah. Like somebody who came, went from obscurity to superstar and potential MVP type player. It happens so infrequently that it's impossible. You just don't know. Like that's why it doesn't happen, right? Like because no, everyone missed on him, right? It's not like – it's not like he was sitting around and he had a bunch of people saying, hey, yeah, he should be a first-round pick. Like, everyone missed on him. Yep. So um, you think that you're seeing some stuff, but, like, you, you don't know if it's just that type of year. I mean, Minnesota's defense is raw. Those numbers are ridiculous, though. Yeah. And I've said before that I would cheer for a dude like that. I guess, you know, my takeaway from that is, yeah, they're really good, but that NFC, like, that road to the to the – the road to the Super Bowl through the NFC playoffs is, is stacked. And, you know, when you're talking about playoffs, like defenses are, are important, but quarterback play is equally important. And, like, the quarterbacks that he – you got Drew Brees, Carson Wentz, Cam, Cam Newton, um, Russell Wilson, and, and Ryan Goff. Like, and Case Keenan. Jared is, Goff. No, Jared Goff, sorry. Yeah. But as soon as a, uh, what's it, what was I thinking about? Ryan Leaf, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jared Goff. Definitely don't want to mix those up for Jared Goff. You don't want to have that comparison. But Case Keenum, as good as he's playing, I mean, pedigree wise, I, like, if he, if he comes through the NFC, then I'm ready to say Kurt Warner-esque. I don't think he is. So here's the thing. In his career, he's already had, so when Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner burst on the scene, he really hadn't played at all. Like right. he was arena football. He hadn't done anything. He went straight from zero to hero. Like Case Keenum kind of went from zero. Well, actually not even zero. Cause we were at Houston. He was an incredible quarterback, but people said, Oh, he plays in the system. He's one of the top all time leading passers in college football at Houston. 
But people said, oh, he's a product of the system. You know, uh, that's why he's able to have success. And he has played some. So up to this point, he was 9-15 and 15 as a starter, 24 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. Like, those are decent numbers. Right. And people are like, all right, this is what you get. I thought he'd be a good career backup. Now, I don't think he's Kurt Warner. Like, I don't think he's all of a sudden going to have a Hall of Fame career. And I think there's no doubt this team functions off the defense, defensive side of the ball, and he's capitalizing on that. But I think he might be the solution for the Vikings. Yeah. Like long term. And I don't think I would have said that before. And I'm starting to change my mind on that because I think I, then there's kind of a fine line. Is he Kurt Warner or is he Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because Ryan Fitzpatrick had a season with the Jets where he kind of put all this magic in a, it was Fitzmagic. Right, right. And he goes out there and puts them in an incredible year. Then the Jets are looking at the following season. They're like, what? We're not paying you crazy money. And they actually, he held out and he ended up signing for 12 mil a year, which is decent money, but it clearly wasn't, you're the longtime franchise guy. I think Case Keenan will probably get similar. He's going to make a boatload of money. He's not going to make the 20, 25 million dollar money, but I think he's going to make 12 to 15 million dollar money. That's, that's so cool. I'm, I think he's, I'm on record right now. He's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not, yes. he's not Kurt Warner, like to your point, Hall of Fame, um, the longevity of career. I'm not ready to say that yet, but I think he is better, uh, than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I agree with well, you. Well, here's the, here's the more important question. Yeah. Do you think he's better than Teddy Bridgewater? I do. Yeah. I do. I think. Cause I mean, that's I, the question that the Vikings have to answer as they're looking at Teddy Bridgewater. Cause he's back. He's healthy now. And there's no way you want to bet. There's no way if you're Mike Zimmer, you're thinking, Oh, I'm going to go to Teddy Bridgewater now. Right. But for the long term, I think it's all, I think it is one of those things where you probably do have to cut ties with Teddy Bridgewater. Much as I like him as much as Northwestern, he's been an incredible sure. story. Love what he's all about. I think it's probably better for both of them. Cause if you're Teddy Bridgewater and you come back and you start next year and you don't do as well as him, the fans turn They're going to be you. all over you. Like maybe you just cut Teddy Bridgewater loose and say, good luck, get an opportunity. We're fans of yours, but we've got our guy. Yeah. I think that it's the perfect opportunity to do that. And I like Teddy Bridgewater too. Um, I just, when I watched Teddy play with Minnesota, I never really got the sense that, that, that he was commanding what was going on there. It felt like, like play calling and everything around him was designed for him to kind of maybe not screw it up, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. they never really let the reins off of him. You but know I what I would mean? say that's the same they're doing with Case Keenum. But he does it better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Well, so if also, that's... but it helps because he has better a better defense on the other side. Yeah. You know, he has better. They kind of have this mojo. Like, it's the momentum. He has the momentum. He's feeling it, the confidence. And I don't think Teddy Bridgewater ever had that luxury of playing with a Vikings team that's playing this good. Yeah, it's interesting. All, All right. right. Let's keep it moving in the NFC. As uh, last night, the game of the week, the Eagles went on the road to Seattle. Seahawks were underdogs, which was crazy. I think that was easy money. Debo, did you take that at all? Uh, I bet the Eagles. <laughs> oh, no, you did not. <laughs> He's a Philly a guy. Home to- oh, He's that's a right. Philly that's guy. right. You had to bet your team. Yeah. But heart. going into the, the Legion of Doom, like the Legion of Boom. What was the line? Guys- what was the line last night? Six? I think it finished at four. What did you it, get? It it five and a half. <laughs> oh, man. But going into it, the Seahawks looked like they were falling apart. They had a ton of injuries. Uh, but I don't think what we accounted for was Russell Wilson. Because Russell Wilson is the Seahawks. Like, it should be the Seattle Russell Wilsons over the, the Seahawks. Seattle he, he puts the team on his back. Like, I don't think we've seen, like, Aaron Rodgers puts the yeah. Packers on his back. This It is remarkable how well Aaron, or excuse me, Russell Wilson plays. I think he's one of the most, uh, still, and I think people respect him. He's got the Super Bowl. He's been there. He had the interception, which I think people remember, which I don't, I don't think was that big of an awful call as people make it out to be. But I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. He does not. He, he is, you know, and I, Debo came in and said the buzz this morning was, was, uh, you know, Russell is second to, to Brady in the MVP. I hadn't heard it yet, but that was going to be my platform this morning. Like, are we missing on, on what might be the MVP? And I'd make an argument. Like, I'd make an argument that he is the MVP and Tom Brady is second to him just because of the amount of offense that he uh, uh, accounts for there in Seattle. What was it? You said it was 82% of their total yards and every single touchdown save for one, right? They got one one running touchdown from someone that's other than, than Russell, and obviously he's thrown for them all. Not to mention that, you know, when I've watched him over the years, he plays with every injury under the sun. He doesn't he, – he rarely misses games. Has he missed one? He's drinking that water, man. Yeah, I mean, he's got the water, the, the concussion water that he's got out there. And he to, does play through it. But your your point, like you asked, are like, are, yeah, people are still sleeping on him. And mm-hmm. people are disrespecting. And some of that has to come 
some of that comes with the way you come into the league sometimes, right? Yep. If you don't come in as a first-round draft pick, you know, it's the chip that Tom Brady still wears on his on his shoulder, right? Yeah. You get disrespected coming in, and you have to show and prove over and over and over and over again. And so, um, yeah. Right, here's where you got to slow your roll. Yeah. Slow down a little bit. Okay. I think he's he's having a great year. I think he's underrated, but MVP talk I think yeah, is dude. overrated. Why? Because Tom Brady, it's the so here Tom Brady's but, having an incredible season. Think about how bad their defense was this year coming in. People yeah. are writing them off. He got people are saying he's 40. This guy is producing like he's never like we we at, at a level where he's had previous MVPs, sure. if not better. His team now with the Eagles losing is probably everybody's favorite to win the Super Bowl, and I think there's a fatigue, much like LeBron in the NBA, yeah. I think people are like, well, Brady's great. He's won Super Bowls. So we don't have to give it to him. I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady. Like, I still he, – he and Russ are right there for me. But when you're talking about the most valuable player, like, if I subtracted – let's say I put uh, – Oh, but here's the thing. If but, you take Brady off the Pats, they suck. The, Although people will say Matt Castle. I, I think – yeah, I was going to say. Like, if you if you had Matt Castle or the kid they just traded Garoppolo, like, yeah. that team still yeah. rolls. Yeah. Um, you, you, I don't think they roll as much as they do. Not as much, but if you t- <laughs> if you take if you take this kid off of Seattle, Russell Wilson, yeah, what are a they? Four win team. Yeah, they're they're ridiculous. <laughs> and so I, I wouldn't begrudge you Tom Brady being the MVP. I'm simply saying that I could make a case statistically that Russell Wilson means more to his team and and their chance of success than Tom Brady does. Do you think voters have Tom Brady fatigue? It's just I think it the happens. LeBron thing. I absolutely. He should win every I think year. it happens in every sport. I think if you have a guy who is always in the conversation, people want to give something the shiny new yep. toy. They want to give him some love, which I'm kind of okay with. But when you look back, and I think Tom Brady only has two MVPs. 07 and 2010. And he probably deserves more. Yeah. Like, and the same with LeBron. Like LeBron deserves more than he's got. Sure. But I'm okay with it because he's also got the Super Bowl titles to go with it. He's got more Super Bowl MVPs than that as well. Uh, all right. Let's get to something that was a little more controversial. We talked about uh, Tom Brady's Patriots, how they're still lighting it up. Had another win. Uh, yesterday it was against the Bills. Uh, they pretty much dominated the entire game. But that wasn't as they won 23-3. But that wasn't what was making news. Your boy Gronk. Everybody, everybody, everybody loves Gronk. He's America's Nobody frat loves boy. Gronk. I mean, how can you not like, love Gronk? Exactly. That's where I'm going right now. All right. So you don't love Gronk. You know who doesn't like Gronk now is Tredavious White. There was a play in the game. There was a turnover and, uh, Tredavious White's on the ground and Gronk just comes out of nowhere. I don't know if there was something previous that happened. But he comes up, dives at him, like spears him right in the back of the head. It was nasty. Tredavious White was in concussion protocol, leaves the game. It was dirty. It was flat out dirty. Gronk does not get ejected. But I think there will be a suspension coming. And Gronk actually spoke about it after the game. Hear what he said and see if you're still mad at him. Well, uh, first off, I definitely want to apologize to number 27. I mean, I'm not in the business of that. I mean, it was a lot of frustration and uh I was just really frustrated at, at that moment. It just just happened uh, naturally through emotions and frustration, and uh, just want to uh, apologize uh, to Davius White. What you didn't hear at the end of that sound, and I wish we had it, was him finally get to the the the, the his soul. Like that was scripted. Someone from their PR department said, "Listen, Gronk, this is what you're going to say to the media." And the more he talked, he reiterated how bad he felt, and it was out of frustration. He said that about seven times. And then he started bitching about not getting calls and saying that they get to do this and that. And, I mean, what do you want me to do? Like, what do you want me to do? You know what I don't want you to do? I don't want you to get up, throw a baby tantrum, and spear somebody in the back of the head. Like, I'm suing you, Rob Gronkowski. Like, if i got to miss four games and you've done that to me, I, it's a lawsuit. Here's my beef with Rob. It, and, and, look, I, I don't know what the reason. Maybe you can enlighten me. Why, why would, if, if this was someone else, he be a thug? Would there, there's no place in our game for that immediate ejection. And Ron, Rod Gronkowski is like the lovable frat guy, meathead. Why did, why is that okay for Rod Gronkowski to do? Why does he, why does he get this, like, pass? Why is 69 such a funny thing when Rob <laughs> Gronkowski is saying it in every press conference and, and it's sexual harassment when someone else might do it? Like, why is that? I think there is. There's something to do with it. He's a white superstar and everybody kind of loves him. I think he's been consistent throughout. Like, he comes in, he plays it off as this dumb, and he's not the brightest cat in the he, world. Just yeah, he sounds it. dumb. Yeah, and he, yeah. Probably, he probably is. I think he's been consistent throughout. My counter to that would be Marshawn Lynch is kind of the version of that as a black player. True. Because he's a guy who kind of has this MO. An idiot he's also. <laughs> Yes, like, they both are. And, but I think they both should get more criticism than they deserve. And I don't – like with Gronk, what he does I think is the most part is pretty funny. I think Marshawn Lynch is for the most part it's kind of funny, but it does – the act gets old after a while. 
Uh, and this one, I think the NFL is going to be in a really tough spot. Yeah. I think it's pretty easy. I think they should suspend him for at least a game and maybe two. This is egregious, and but they probably won't because they're looking at the Pats and saying, hey, they can make a playoff run. That's ugly. They have to do one game. Yeah. I, they have to because this was player safety, and if I, I guarantee you, the NFL, 70% African-American, if they don't and they and players are still yeah, looking around saying, at saying, is there a double standard? Yeah. I don't care if he's the fun, lovable, you know, frat boy guy who likes to party. I think there would be a legitimate outrage and deservedly so if they don't uh, suspend Gronk. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i yelling and screaming, right? Because like, I, like, just because I hate the Pats. <laughs> now, let me ask you, but, let me ask you but, this though. As a guy who played really emotional yeah. and got into it and lost your cool at times. Yeah. Do you see where it could happen, where he just lost it? Like in that no, moment yes. where you blank out and I, you're like, ah. <laughs> I was thinking about this on the way in because the Kobe situation with me, I've admitted. Like I just – I went I went blank there for a second. You right. know what I mean? But like I think there's a difference between like when you're when you're in the middle of a play and something's happening, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then when the play is over, like let's say Kobe had, you know, gone out of bounds after a foul or something like that and, and they called a foul on me and at that point I lost my mind and ran up behind him and elbowed him in the back of the head mm-hmm. and really hurt him like there's a diff- that's a different level of blacking out right yeah. and I've always said in that moment like I was an idiot for that mm-hmm. and whatever consequences came my way because of it I was cool with it I wasn't in the press conference trying to lobby for like hey man like you know they let him what do you want me to do like I said look I, that's what I did so you when you do that and you play like that. You must be okay with what comes your way because of that. Do you? So at three seconds, it's probably the amount of time. That's enough premeditation. Like it's kind of it's like premeditated premeditated murder because there is enough time. Because I agree with you. There is a split second reaction where it's just bam. Yep. And then there's a three second size him up. I'm gonna take a running start and I'm gonna spear at the back of his head. That's my problem with it. If you're gonna fight somebody or even if you want to do face to face, go at him. But to do that, that's a really bad look. It was a terrible look. You could see him when he got when when it when it happened and the kid was lying on the ground. He throws like a mini little tantrum at first. Like when you watch the clip, like he's super frustrated. I'll give you that. And then he does. He makes a conscious decision to say, I'm gonna blast this kid. I wonder because you don't get to see like their mouths and stuff like that. Right. Like how much junk was being there thrown. There obviously was a lot, yeah. and but you've got to realize that's on the field every single day. Yeah. Every single game you're playing, uh, you, you just have to deal with it. You have to be able to control yourself. Right. And, and he clearly didn't uh, at that point. So let's move on. The Giants, still a complete mess. They went to Geno Smith. Your boy Ben McAdoo is done. Like I think today <laughs> when people are listening to this podcast, he's probably done. Do we done. have an applause? And des- like, do yes, an applause and deservedly thing? so. Yeah. He should be fired. Uh, the the reaction to the players, both current and past, is should be no surprise. The former players, Giants players, played with Eli, didn't or didn't are wearing are planning on wearing Eli Manning jerseys to the Fantastic. game next week at, uh, at Giants Stadium. There was a confidential email to employees in the Giants organization said, "Don't comment on the Eli situation. This has been handled as bad as it could be." I don't. I I'm with it. I think it's an awful decision. I think it probably would have been okay if you would have waited till the last week or two. Like, I just think it was too early. I think it was a premature move. It was premature. Yeah. Like that, that you have to give him the platform, right, to play. Um, this is probably his last season in New York. Most people know that, it's right? 36. Like, yeah, he's getting up there. Yeah. I think he would have loved to play it from start to finish, but his brother didn't get to do it. Right. No, like, very rare people get to do it. And so you give him you give him the opportunity to play. And then that that is a much – better received message for an, for a veteran in any sport when it's the last game or two and everyone's ready to go home mm-hmm. not in the middle of the hunt and they're not hunting anymore but it still feels like like your 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 internal clock as an as an athlete like at this time of year in December it still feels like you're playing for something so um I just again, I have to He's question. John, and what was not, he doing wearing the sunglasses when it's? It's like a, it was an overcast day in Oakland, and he's wearing the stupid sunglasses. Ben McAdoo. Oh, I didn't even look. I want to. Oh, watch he looks that. like an idiot. He, like he's the one of the worst looking dudes I think we've seen in football in forever. And he tried to do the makeover with the slicked back hair, but, and I guess the shades. I, Danny, they better. He better because I. To to be fair, maybe he needed them. Maybe their um, prescription. Prescription. Maybe. Right, get out of here. But get the kind that go lighter when it's light. Like, you gotta I, do something. They I've been thinking awful. about this a lot. Um, if David Blatt, when I was with the Cleveland Cavaliers, wanted to bench anybody, like LeBron, any, anyone of any significance, 
he would have probably had to come to the front office and said, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. Because you, you, you can't – I mean, if you're benching a French player, that's one thing. But right. not your star quarterback. So – and I've given a lot of thought because I've been really brutal on McAdoo. I think Who signed off on that? I think Jerry Reese did. And I think Jerry – the general manager, I think he's done too. They're going to go. clean house. I think the Mariners are getting off because I guarantee you it must have – I I shouldn't guarantee you. But I think it probably came across their desk somehow – and they probably signed off on it and didn't think it would play out this poorly. You were wrong. And now they're playing, paying the re- repercussions for it. But ultimately, they could have said, you guys can do this, but if it doesn't work out, you're done. Oh, yeah, and maybe yeah. that was the gamble that Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo were, were willing to make. Because they probably knew it was coming to an end anyway. And they're saying, now oh, let's just salvage the sure, season. Because, sure. uh, yeah, ultimately some, some people are getting fired for that one. Um, there was a little bit of a sideshow after this. So ESPN was talking about it. Rex Ryan came on during the pregame show, and he said something about Geno Smith, who was getting a start over him. He said, quote, he was a great guy, but that he doesn't want him playing quarterback for me. This is his former head coach. Mm. Geno Smith responded, said, I did see one of my ex-coaches say he didn't want me to be his quarterback. That really upset me. Gino said, eventually naming Rex Ryan. The guy that we saved his job in 2013, we fought our ass for him for both years. For him to come out and say that shows how much of a coward he is. Love it. I say good for Gino Smith yeah. for calling him out. And it's one, if you want to be opinionated, like I'm sure ESPN loves that Rex Ryan's willing to say this. I don't love the fact that he, that he sold him out as hard as he did. I don't want him to be my quarterback. Right. Like there's a diplomatic way to say, you know, He's not the answer. Yeah, right. some something. There's a way to say it better than I don't want him playing quarterback for me. Yeah, I love. I I'm always going to be pro athlete in this, and I love because um, back when when I played, we did not have the forum to go back at at TV personalities or beat writers. Like the message was all theirs. Yeah, and so I I love the fact that guys are able to do that now and not afraid to do it, and that it's accepted. Because I agree with you. You can say that in a million different ways. If you're Rex Ryan, yeah, um, uh, and you do not have to. And look, man, most most guys, unless unless you've had a falling out with the coach, when you fought and scrapped for two years with the guy, there's a respect level there. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless again, you've had right. a personal beef, you don't throw one of those soldiers of yours under the bus like that. Yeah. That's a bad look. That was uncalled for. Good for Geno Smith for speaking up on it. The college coach uh, carousel continues to whirl as fast as we've ever seen it. Tennessee still waiting for a head coach. Yep. Trying to figure that out. Florida State is now in the position of looking for a head coach as Jimbo Fisher. I, everybody's, cause the Florida State fans are obviously hitting me up saying, can you believe he left? 75 million reasons to go. I would have coached at Kansas, <laughs> one of the worst programs in college football. I said, go ahead and do it. Uh, I think it's a gamble for Jimbo, but it's gonna find it. He's secure for life. He's getting a new clock to start at tech, at College Station. I think it's best for both parties. I think Florida State is in a better position because they had a $40 million buyout with Jimbo. If he has another bad year this year, next year, they they can't do anything. He has them over a barrel. If they want him to fire some of his coaches, he has them over a barrel. So they were really in a bad position with Jimbo. So I say good luck to Jimbo. Move on. Florida State is a position where they can hire anybody they want. Willie Taggart, there's discussions there with Oregon. Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. I know they've had talks about James Franklin. Debo, you worried about that? Penn State guy? No. No, you're not worried about him leaving, or are you? If he does leave, you're okay with that. I would welcome him leaving. Oh <laughs> man, taking shots at uh, James Franklin. Um, so it's it's. Uh, I think both parties are in a good spot. The crazy one, I think one of the crazy, maybe not covered so much, was during the SEC championship game, as George is playing Auburn. They're discussing Gus Malzahn's future at Auburn. Wow. He's this close to playing for a national championship, playing for an SEC championship, and there's discussions of him leaving to go to Arkansas because he's from there. Yeah, I, I don't love all this negotiating um, and taking jobs, and I don't love it all while, while we're still playing. I don't know what the answer to that, but I don't love it. i got to be honest with you. Like, Scott Frost, the news broke while I was in the car during the damn game, yeah. during the UFC Memphis game that he took to Nebraska. That's not good. So were you mad that the news broke during the game? Cause I, cause I, there has been outrage at Brett McMurphy and at ESPN for doing it during the game. Yeah. Where's the outrage to Scott Frost for taking the deal before no, the game? I'm, no, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm outraged at the whole process. Yeah, that, I am like, too. That we're, that we're negotiating these deals while these, these coaches are, are invested in another program's future and, and, and there, chance there, to win something. We, you know, 
I think we got into two of the, we got into definitely the wrong business because we should have been either A, coaches, right. Right. football coaches, looking at these 50, because Gus Malzahn's getting a $50 million deal to stay at Auburn. Jimbo, we said 75 mil. But you know what we could have been with a lot less pressure? As an agent, yeah, agent for these coaches. Cause Man. there's a handful, there's three or four that handle, that hold almost every single major coach. One of them has a hundred, Jimmy Sexton has a hundred, over a hundred clients that are head coaches and coaches in college football. So he's playing the cards to perfection and he, he holds all the cards. Like he knows where they're all want to go, where they lean and he hijacks these universities for more money and they're nervous because they don't want to lose their coach. And he's just sitting there laughing, collecting. Just collecting and shuffling it's, pieces around the board. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. The, the Malzahn thing, I think, was probably real. I think you've been crazy to go from Auburn to Arkansas. It's a much worse yeah, job. Yeah, that's a back. But, you know, if you could have got – maybe he was trying to get the $75 million deal and still he gets 50 from Auburn is with Arkansas better talent. Is Arkansas money that deep? Uh, supposedly there is. Uh, so, so reportedly they offered more than $7 million per season. Uh, so they obviously had a lot of – that would have been – that's the new rate. Like Jimbo's getting seven and a half. Uh, Saban's already getting seven. The problem is I think you're overpaying for all of them. Yeah, I, well, I mean – if it would have been more than $8 million, <laughs> maybe. But, like, <laughs> right. when you're talking about you're giving me 7 or 7.5, I'm going with the better job. Oh, 100%. You know what I, mean? like, I, would pro- I think you'd be smarter to go 6 or 5, like, right. whatever it is, because right. you'd have a better chance to succeed and be there longer. Although all these situations, most of them, ironically, in the SEC, there is no job security. Like, I know Jimbo's money is guaranteed, but how is that going to roll out if – and they just fired Kevin Sumlin – for giving you eight wins every season, which is pretty good at Texas A&M. They haven't had that type of success in 20 years, and they ran him off. What if Jimbo comes up short in two, three, four years, and they're stuck with him for six more years? What do you mean, what if? It's it, going to happen. You're going like, to come up short just because absolutely. you're not going to get the type of player out there in College Station that you got at Florida State. You are not. Agreed. I'm really happy for my man, Herm Edwards. He gets the opportunity to go to Arizona State. I think it's the perfect situation because they're going to keep their offensive and defensive coordinators. They're getting mocked online, Arizona State is, because they put out this release and said, we're going to go with more of a general general manager type situation where Herm's going to run the program. We still have the pieces in place. We're going to have these different layers of authority. And they're getting mocked for it, but I think it could actually work. I, why the creativity, man? Like tr- thinking outside the box, trying to figure it just because something has, has been the norm for, for however long doesn't mean that it's the best and most efficient way to do it. So I got no beef with trying it. I might, again, my only, the only pushback I have, and it, it may not even come to, come to, to play in, in Arizona is if there's some kind of personality conflict and Herm yeah. winds up not really getting along with those. He's two one of the most likable dudes. Like he can get along with anybody, so but you never know in the heat. Like, Hey, I want my, this offense to look this way. I want right. to call my plays this way. If there is that back and forth, but Herm's like a really good people person. You know, those people that just get along with everybody yeah. and yet you respect them and they have enough authority and leadership to kind of take control. Right. I think Herm's that guy. So I think it'll be just fine. What's the latest in Lane Kiffin news? Like what's going on with Lane? Cause the Lane train finished the season off with another win. They Boca win their Bowl. conference. Yeah. FAU is rolling. His name keeps cropping up. Some of these jobs that are getting more opinion. What's the latest there, Debo? I think he wants to play Alabama. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Post game after the conference championship on Saturday after the big win over yeah. North Texas. Big moment for the FAU program. Fans there in Boca were chanting, we want Bama. <laughs> Here's it. just a little clip from that press conference. Did you hear our fans at the end of the game? No, you didn't. Did you hear what they were saying? I didn't hear what they were saying. I heard them. I heard them. We want Bama. That's what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, not so fast. You ain't ready for that. <laughs> so I, I've got no idea about polls. Um, so I don't even know how that process really works. I'm just trying to win a game. So to be clear, you don't want Bama. Just... Oh, I would love to play Bama. <laughs> I, I would. I'd feel, far, I'd feel sorry for our players, but I'd like it. <laughs> I like that. I uh, like what, what would the spread be if FAU played Bama? Probably 21, which is – you think higher, Diva? I think it would be 20. I'd be three touchdowns. You think it would be 30? Because they were 35 against Ole Miss. They were 30-something-ish against Arkansas. I think FAU is not that bad. Do you, you think they're clearly better than Arkansas and Ole Miss? No. Uh, Arkansas no. was a dumpster fire. Ole Miss had its moments this season. All right, I'll give you 30. 
I went to a, I went to an FAU game. They are not. I, went, <laughs> I, I was sat in that stadium. I, I think Lane would be a good hire for somebody. I do uh, maybe Arkansas. I think yeah. Arkansas could use a little splash of. Now they had a a, a brash, you know, trash talking coach in Brett Bielema, yeah. who was great. I love. I thought Brett got screwed getting run out of there. But I think they could use a coach like Lane Kiffin uh, to come in and kind of spark some life into their offense. I think he'd be great for recruiting. I don't have any concerns about his tweets. Like he's getting ripped saying people say, oh, they'd scare off. The athletic directors are scared that he talks on Twitter and he tweets so much. I think that makes him more relatable to recruits. Sure. And it makes him more like it, it, it's like that's the language that they speak now. Like they, they don't speak to come sit on my couch. I mean, ultimately you got to come sit on the couch and talk to mom and dad, but that's not what's, it's not about the mail. We used to wait around when I was in high school at the mailbox to see who sent you mail and yeah. read these letters and whether they were typed out or handwritten. That's how you knew yeah. when a guy was really interested in you. If it was typed, that's form. If it's handwritten, he wants you. But now it's all done through that social media following and tweeting and Instagram. And so you need a dude like that. You need a guy who's ready to progress and, and, uh, and and speak the language of these young kids to have a chance to get them. I have a question for you about bowls. Yeah. Um, because Miami stays and plays in the OB. Mm-hmm. Um, Boca, the FAU will stay and play in the Boca, Raton, whatever. Like, if I played college football, I would want to go somewhere for my bowl. <laughs> yes. Like, how did players feel about that? I would want to go so, away. I played from South Florida. Yeah. Went to Florida State. I played in three Orange Bowls. Yeah, right. Wait, I was bummed. I, hear you, <laughs> I dude, wanted dude. to go somewhere else. We went. We played in the Sugar Bowl once. It was a blast. Loved getting out. My senior year, the, the national championship was the Fiesta, and I was like, "Send us to Arizona." We, obviously, we didn't get to play for that, but I would have rather gone anywhere. And no offense, I'm on the Orange Bowl committee. Right. Like, I love the Orange Bowl, <laughs> but three times, right. three times, I wanted to leave. I wanted to get out. It's a, it's a vacation. Right. Like, it's fun. A lot of guys don't get to travel outside the state very much, and most. This is where it's different. Most road games, travel the night before, you go team dinner, bam, you're out after the game. This one, you go five, six days before, you get to explore the sites. If you go to San Diego, Dude. you get to see SeaWorld. If you go to, you know, wherever, you get to explore the sites of the city. Like, it's fun, man. It's a blast. I used to travel when I was in high school. My dad was an associate AD in Miami, and they would take all the families to these yeah. bowl games. So I went to the Fiesta Bowl. I went to the Sugar Bowl. And the parties, like the, um, what do they call the rooms that they have? The hospitality rooms? Oh, the hospitality rooms? suites. Yeah, they're the, stocked the bro, whole time. The swag. Yeah. Like the swag. Oh. Oh man, I just I feel bad for the teams that got to stay home. I am with you. I am with you. I feel bad for the Canes that have to play in their backyard. Mark Rick tried to sell it, so we're gonna have a great crowd. Yeah. You definitely want to go somewhere else. Correct. Send me across country. Um, did you watch any golf over the weekend? See our boy Tiger. I did. You did. I did watch some. What'd golf. you think overall? Here, yeah, overall, I thought it was a real positive. And what I liked, and my takeaway from it was, he looks like he's in a good spot with the swing. He's not rehearsing like technically rehearsing you know when when you're in a bad spot when you're out there like rehearsing like the technicality of a, of a swing yeah. like you're overthinking every part of the swing right he looked like he was just thinking about the shape of the shot like just kind of flowing and playing golf right like just playing golf again yeah i think it was the perfect tournament for him to come back to because it was a limited field i think it's a very it's, it, it's a fairly easy course yeah shall we say is uh ricky fowler shot a 28 <laughs> i think on the front side he was in on fire I think he was playing with a lot of his buddies, yep. which is great. He played with Justin Thomas yesterday. Shout out to our boy JT. Hit us up. We're going to get you on as a guest. Talk some smack about Bama, although I think he hates me. He's a Bama <laughs> fan, so he probably does hate me. Um, but I saw, like, when he's paired in the first round, he was loose. Uh, I heard the, the broadcast saying he was talking to fans. Yeah. Like, this is a different Tiger Woods. I just question – I would, I want, I'm rooting for him. I want to see, I thought we saw some really positive signs. The fact that he was able, uh, on the weekend to have 17 birdies, two eagles, 11 bogeys, one double bogey. He's a little bit all over the place, but he's still able to score. I think that's great, great for golf. But what made him really special was that cutthroat. Yeah. I don't talk to anybody. Like I am everybody. Everybody's my enemy. I'm going to go for the jugular. I'm the, I'm the best in the world and you can't mess with me. And I think not only the fact that he thought that way, but everybody looked at him that Correct. way. They, they were, were afraid like, of whoa, him. now yeah. they're not. They're not afraid of him. There's no more fear in their eyes. Um, he's a peer now. Um, the protected environment though was exactly what he needed. And that's what that was. Like that, the small, the small field, um, mostly buddies. Yeah. Um, you know, Albany course, it's beautiful, but it, it is. They Have you played there? Up. Yeah, I played it. Really? Yeah, it's a tough course though. Like for, and for, for me. <laughs> I'm sitting there calling a cake. No, Ricky no. Fowler for for pros, it's not because they hit their target every time. Yeah. But like for a guy like me who I could be long sometimes, but like it could be, you know, 10, 15 yards left, you're going to be in trouble and all that 
you know, fescue and stuff like that. But he played with uh, Jimmy Walker. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You remember that? That is right. Jimmy you did. Was, you Jimmy called was it a beast. <laughs> uh, but he's going to have to reinvent himself as a competitor because there's no. Once you start talking and dialoguing and being friends with these guys. Even if you tried to get really steely, uh, and yeah, and, they still know and, that yeah, that's they're our like, boy. Yeah, dude, yeah, they're not going to be as intimidated exactly. by it. His next tournament, though, is at the Farmers Insurance Open. It's one of his favorite spots, Torrey Pines. He's uh, he's played there, won a ton of tournaments there, so he's going to be in another comfortable environment. I think it's great. Said he wasn't hurting at all after the tournament. Perfect. So yeah, let's go, Tiger. We're cool. on we're on the bandwagon. Uh, my man Joey Lacavas is caddy on the back for him. Great dude. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know Tiger, but I'm rooting for Joey Lacavas as well. No, Bones is Bones Phil's, is old, Phil's old dude. So yeah, yeah, and now he's Joey? a broadcaster. Who's Joey? Joey LaCava. That's his, that's Tiger Woods caddy. Is it his old caddy? No, or? so that was Fluff. He started with Fluff. Yeah. And then he had Stevie, uh, Steve. I started Williams. to hate Steve. Yeah, Steve Williams. Steve went to Adam Scott. Yeah. Now he's not with Adam anymore either, is he? Oh, really? Yeah, but remember he was the highest paid athlete in New Zealand? Like, as the caddy for Tiger? Awesome. And then, but he sold him out and talked about him, so Tiger right. said beat I, it, yeah, which I'm good with that. Goofy. Beat it. Uh, but now Joey's a great dude. Uh, so let's get some topics, Debo. Let's finish it up. Some some fun from some fun stuff to finish it off. All right, this got lost in the shuffle this weekend. <laughs> but college basketball. So Xavier beat Cincinnati, a rivalry in Ohio. Post game handshake line. Cincinnati head coach Mick Cronin charged at Xavier player J.P. McCurra. This is according to sources. Cronin told him, "You want a piece of me, mf'er." And that's yes. after, during the game, apparently, Cronin said that Makura told him to F off a couple of times. What's your reaction <laughs> to this? I don't know. I've got multiples. Um, I got into it with a couple coaches in my day. Coaches think they're like – While you were playing. Yes. Like, why is it okay for you to sit there and yell stuff at me and yell at your players that I can't do this and that and I can't turn around and say something off color to you? Like, I don't yeah. understand. You're a part of this production. You're not You're not greater than any player out there. You're a part of it. Um but I had a situation in Delaware when I was a freshman at Boston University, and a, a guy named Pekka Pekka Arsic or Pe, Pekka Antich spit on me in the postgame line. A coach? Uh, no, a player. Oh, oh, spit on me. That's, he was, that's just throw down right now. He was now. a European. There's a nothing. European You're just throwing down. He, he spit on me, and and like all hell broke loose for for about three or four minutes in in the gym. But though, I don't even understand why you have to shake hands. Like I just when, when you're. I don't understand it. When you've been beat. You're not in you, sportsmanship? Nah, you're against sportsmanship. Nah, dog. Let that ride. Like, <laughs> we don't need any more, like, flammable moments in a heated, like, battle. Just keep it moving. You beat us, holla. We throw the two signs up and we're out. So you're not into handshakes? Nope. Do nope. your boys handshake nope. in their basketball yep. And I tell them all, keep their hands up. Just go through the line like good game. No, nope, like game. keep your keep your damn. Keep, oh, be keep, ready, be ready to go. Like, yes, <laughs> nice. Be ready to go. So you're ready to throw down. No, the because it's just handshake. when you beat like. You know, our team is pretty Granted, good for Yeah, grade. it's volatile. When, you, get, you get some trash talk. That's right. And some of these kids are out there cursing and, and Yeah, but don't you want them to be able to like, hey, it's still just sports. Like, hey, let's walk away from this friendly. We all love each other. I know. Look, oh, my kids always line up. Like, we win, lose, or draw, we line up. Yeah. But my message to them is always the same. Like, be prepared. Keep your hands up. Let's, yeah, my daughter's it. golf tournaments. I'm not telling her to be ready to throw <laughs> down with the other little nine-year-olds that are out there. So the handshake line in the hockey playoffs isn't your favorite tradition in sports? It's ridiculous. A lot of people... Put that on a pedestal. I like it. I think you should be able to walk away and respect. Respect the other team. I do too, but like, it, uh, unfortunately, like not everybody subscribes to losing in, in the <laughs> yes. same way that you win, right? Yes. And so then, then I Here's gotta... the thing. I think, I think Cincinnati's coach, Mick Cronin, you gotta be a man. Like, not, not a man to fight. You have to be an adult. And be able to say, hey, so what if the guy called me something? Yeah. I got a topic that Debo didn't see. Did you see Sean Livingston get ejected for the ref? No. I want to show you a photo. So the ref, this goes back to your, uh, your, uh, theory that if you're yeah. under 6'3", because I don't know how tall the ref was, yeah. but the ref was getting in his face and like gave him the nod, like the bump in the head, and then Livingston bumped him and gets ejected from the game. And there were a bunch of players tweeting it about it saying, we can't have refs who think they're the ref, superstars. Ref deserves to be suspended. I think so too. Ref I think he should, and maybe he will. He's but not it was, a short ref though, because Sean Livingston's about 6'7". Like six, six, seven. Six, seven, but the my, ref looked at what, do you know who the ref was, Debo? Are you trying to look it up or no? Because yeah. it was... I, I think he was below 6'3". If you're a standard of 6'3", like, he was I'm definitely you, significantly dude. shorter. He definitely had the Napoleon man complex. There's something like, to He that. was going at him. No, so. they, that was Courtney Kirkland. 
Do you know Courtney, your boy? Courtney? I know Courtney. Courtney's not a bad dude, but they all listen, dude. They, I'm telling you, and I know I. Well, they're probably tired of these players making a gajillion dollars, and they're still making a couple hundred grand a year. They're the ones with like they make a good living. Those refs can make up to like half a million dollars. Like, really? You ain't playing, mofo. All you're doing is refing the game, <laughs> right? But they want to be stars. Yes. And then you get into it with the dramatic charge calls and the dramatic, you know, effects on the yeah. side. Like I don't love that. Like you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to be seen or heard. You're just supposed to kind of blend into the game and that's not, not be the story. That's not the approach of the, even though NBA refs will tell you that that's their approach. Right. Whoever's doing that, like their camps and, and the teaching, that is certainly not their approach. Yeah. It's not. If you haven't seen that picture, visit us at Canell and Bell on Twitter and we'll post that to see. Look at our boy Debo promoting the page. Up. We got to get up those follower count. Get out get a hit us up. Follow us at Canell and Bell. All right. Last one. What do you got for topics? All right. So somehow this one caught a buzz on Twitter over the weekend. Nerlens Noel, a talented player, but not playing much with Dallas this season. During halftime, he went to the media room and grabbed a hot dog. And for whatever reason, people had issue with this, and he had to issue part of an apology. It's ridiculous. On uh, on <laughs> Sunday, um, I just want to say yesterday's incident um, with the hot dogs. I just been going harder pregame, um, lifting wise, and I got a little hungry. It's just crazy. This is so dumb. So you know what? No one, Nerlens Noel should have done. He should have done a Baker Mayfield and grabbed his nuts and yeah. said, "Whatever, <laughs> I'm not doing." Like the fact that he had to apologize is ridiculous. I'm not apologizing to anybody. Like I don't owe you an apology because I was hungry. Damn it! Like I'm out here working pregame. I used to go to the media room all the time. I go to the media room when I first got to the arena, get myself a cup of coffee and whatnot. Yeah. I go into the. Did they not room. have it in the locker room, or was it easier to access it? He, in the- he said he should have sent a ball boy to get it. He has Why? to be smarter about Why? it. Why? Why is that what smarter about what? Like I, yeah, I don't get it. I don't, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Is there an appearance? No, there's nothing. He went to grab up. He was hungry and grabbed a hot dog. Were people upset? It was a hot dog. Like it wasn't healthy or nutrition. He didn't I play. He got a DNP. <laughs> he didn't even, he didn't even play. This is ridiculous. This bro. is absolutely ridiculous. Because Mark Sanchez hot dog during the preseason game that blew up out of control. If you're not playing, who cares? I used to eat Snickers bars on the end of the bench in Philly well, my to, first year. A lot of teams will have junk out. Like yeah. when I was playing football. Most teams had Coke, which I think people are like, what? And that probably wasn't the most nutrition. Yeah, they'd have Coke and orange slices. Like, that's the worst combo (laughs) ever. Like, it'd make you gag if you had both of them. But they would have Coke, Gatorade. Like, that was an option. Right. And all kind of guys would have stuff they would snack on. I had players that I played with that would hit up the McDonald's drive-thru and get, like, three or four Egg McMuffins before the game on the way. Or a quarter pound with cheese. You whatever you Whatever you do, do it. Who cares? Just play. That's all you need. So, and that's so that's the bigger point here. Like it's because it's Nerlens Noel. It's because he's having a rough season. And and it, which if, is stupid. If it had been, um, I don't know, Ben Simmons getting a hot dog at half at halftime, no one would care. Right. No apology necessary. Ridiculous. A, a little bit tongue in cheek. Head coach Rick Carlisle came into that clip and, and joked around and said, "Did they have the relish that you like?" So he wasn't uh, super mad, but good. I think people online were. So screw people online. We're listening that, that goes too back much to the to beginning of the online. episode. Yes, exactly. Right. Screw people online for that. All right, that's a wrap for today's show. I hope everybody has a fantastic Monday. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, make sure you go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. In the review, ask us questions every Wednesday. We're going to answer those questions for you. We had some good ones last week. Uh, you can follow us on Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, any of those other ones. And make sure our boy Debo, shout out to our producer, does a fantastic job running at Canel and Bell on Twitter. Has some really good yes, stuff, some funny stuff on there. Make sure you hit him up as well. Have a 669. Oh, we're getting up there to give it the little Gronk laugh. 69. (laughs) Now now he just has to do more work to go bleep that. All right. Have a good Monday, everybody. We'll see you Wednesday. (laughs)